Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well in worship. So good to be back. So good to be able to... uh, Amen. It's one thing to watch online, but it's just another thing to be able to be here and to be able to speak the Word of God. I just want to thank all of those that prayed for me. Isn't it amazing, you know, you're going through something, the church is praying. How powerful uh, is that? It's just so good to know um, that that we're a a family and that together... Uh, you'll be praying for me and I thank you for that. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Reading from verse 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and I'm reading from verse 7. Bible says, when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mitzpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. Men of Israel rushed out at Mitzpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Car. And then Samuel took a stone, key voice for this morning, and set it up between Mitzpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Let's pray. So, Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for your spirit, and I thank you for your presence. I thank you that whenever the church gathers together in your name, you're, you're present, and we need you today more than ever, Lord God. Father, I thank you that this is not my word, it's your word. And I thank you that you're the God that still speaks today. Would you speak to us as a congregation and individually today, Lord God? Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be a spirit of um, wisdom and revelation as 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 we dive into this word, Lord God, I pray. And I thank you that you will speak, that our lives will be changed because of what happens here today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak today on the subject, Ebenezer, God is my helper. Ebenezer, God is my, would you say it with me? Come on, Ebenezer, God is my helper. Yeah, you need to do it all together. Come on, guys. Come on, let's get it together. Uh, Ebenezer, God is my helper. Well done. Key verse for the message is the words of Samuel. And Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mitzpah and Shen and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has 
helped us. I love this verse because it says he took a stone. He put a stake in the ground. He marked the moment and he caused the stone Ebenezer saying, the Lord has been my helper. I believe there are times in our lives when we need to mark the moment. I believe there are times in our life where we need to get a stone, put a stake in the ground, when we need to stop and reflect on our lives, where we need to stop and remember the goodness of God, reflect on what God has done. How many of us can testify that thus far the Lord has helped us? Come on, church. How many of us can testify to that? And many of us can testify to the fact that the Lord has helped us every step of the way. That the only reason why we're here today is because God has been our helper. Because God has been with us. Because God has seen us through. Because he's guided and led us in the name of Jesus. Through the good times and the bad times. The good decisions, the dumb decisions. Anybody ever made a bad decision? The successes, the failures. Despite everything that we've been through, the Lord has been our Helper in the name of Jesus. Some people say, oh, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. You don't understand. My, my, my life has been hell. The last, the, the last year has been hell. The last two years, three years have been hell. I don't think we understand what hell really is because hell is eternal separation from God. And the fact that we're here this morning, the fact that we're here this morning worshipping and glorifying God is a testimony of the grace of God. That if everything else is going bad in our lives, we've got one thing. We've got the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were in the house of God singing, God has been so good to us. Come on, can I hear an amen? If the Lord had not been by our side, says David, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. But because the Lord was on our side, because he was there right there with us, he guided us, he led us, he protected us in the name of Jesus. One of the things the Lord promises is his presence. There's no better place in life to be than to know that God is with us, that he's guiding us, protecting us, leading us, that he's fighting our battles for us. And the question for us that I want to explore this morning as a congregation is, how can we assure that Whatever season of life we're in, that God is near, that God is with us. What I love about this verse is the story behind it. The, the key verse that we've read, what I, what I love about it is the story behind it. You see, God did not always help Israel. God was not always there with Israel. God didn't always fight Israel's battles. But then something changed. And as we look at the context, it kind of gives us some insight into how we can make sure, how we can experience the nearness of God, how we can declare in our lives, come on, thus far the Lord has helped us. And I pray that God will speak to us today. I mean, I can certainly testify over the last few weeks that God has been with us, that God has been with me. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're not allowed to talk... <laughs> You should try that for a few days, see how it goes for you. When you're not allowed to talk, uh, you do a lot of thinking, you know. Um, and when you can only talk a few minutes and you, and you reflect, when everything is stripped away from you, you kind of just start to reflect. And you're saying, you know, God has been my helper. God has been with me. God has guided us. God has led. God has directed 
So to understand the background of the verse, we need to get back, go back just a few chapters. And Elijah was the priest of the temple along with his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Bible says, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They didn't know the Lord. Sons of Eli had no fear of God and, and, and they were treating the offerings of God with contempt. In the Old Testament, people brought their sacrifice to the temple and, and, and there were established rules on how they were to, to deal with the sacrifices that we people would bring and how to prepare the sacrifice, how to offer the sacrifices. But Eli's sons had no respect for God and they would take the best portions of the meat for themselves, which was something that they were not allowed to do. Not only that, but they, were, they would sleep with the women who served at the temple. The Bible says the sin of the young men was very great and the, in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. They were treating the Lord's offering as worthless, lack of respect for the things of God and for what God was doing. If you read the text in 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, the Philistines came against Israel and there was this battle and 4,000 Israelites died and this was a terrible thing. Um, and they had this idea, why don't we bring the Ark of the Covenant in amongst us because um, I'm sure we'll get a victory then. And so um, they bring the Ark of the Covenant with them into the battlefield and if you read it in, Isaiah, in, uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 5, and it says, And there was great rejoicing, and they went to battle. But this time, 30,000 Israelites died. Not only did 30,000 Israelites die, Eli's, Eli's two sons died as well, and they took the Ark of the Covenant. The problem was they had the Ark of the Covenant amongst them, but they didn't know the God of the Ark of the Covenant. They, they treated the Ark of the Covenant like it was a good luck charm. And they thought, well, if we've got this amongst us, surely we're going to win. But they didn't have the presence of God with them. Never confuse the symbol of the presence of God with the presence of God. Never confuse the symbol of the presence of God like the church, like worship. With the, we can be in the house of God and not experience the presence of God. We never want to take the presence of God for granted. And the presence of God comes not just because we're in this building, but because we're seeking after God and crying out to God. So they bring the Ark of the Covenant amongst them and they go to battle, 1 Samuel chapter 5. 30,000 of them died. Eli's two sons die as well. Took the Ark of the Covenant. When Eli hears the news, he dies. When Phineas' pregnant wife, um, was given the news, she goes into labor, has a son and dies. Before she died, the Bible says she named the boy Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel. What a sad day for the nation of Israel. What, what a sad day for the nation of Israel. The glory and the presence of God has departed. I, I, I pray that we would never experience that in the name of Jesus. I pray we would always have the kabod, which is the glory and the presence of God amongst us. Can I hear an amen? So the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and wherever it went, it brought destruction. Tumors, pandemics, um, COVID-19, 2021 20, and 22. And they thought, oh, God is going to kill us all. And so the Philistines decide to return the Ark of the Covenant to the Israelites. Just some, some beautiful passages of scriptures through there. And so the Ark was brought to the house of Abinadab and remained there for about 20 years. And then in chapter 7 which we read in our text, 
We find Samuel before a gathering of the people of Israel. And the Philistines see this and they see that Samuel has gathered again with the nation of Israel, with the people of Israel, and they decide to go out and fight against Israel. They figured we'd beaten them before. We've beaten them a couple of times. We're going to beat them again. And so they prepare to do battle against the Israelites. Now, when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They, they knew what had happened not too long before. So the Bible says Samuel begins to offer a sacrifice unto God. And while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. And then our key verse. And Samuel took a stone and set it between Mitzpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. All of this raises a question for me, and that is what changed for Israel? What changed for them? Here they were, three battles against the Philistines, battle number one, 1 Samuel chapter 4, 4,000 die. Battle number two, 30,000 die. Battle number three, they won a great battle. What changed for the people of Israel? What was it that shifted? What changed for them that they should win such a powerful victory against the Philistines? Here's the thing. As we read the text, we find the Israelites did a few things and something changed in the hearts of the Israelites. And if we do the same things, I believe it speaks to our lives. That we too, when we, when, when, when we too do the same kind of things, we too can declare Ebenezer thus far. God has been our helper. So what did the Israelites do? Well, the first thing they did is they returned to the Lord. You can write that down in your notes. They returned to the Lord. The Bible says, verse 3 of uh, 1 Samuel 7, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, meaning the nation of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. If we want to experience the presence of God and the, la- the leading of God, the protection of God, the help of God, the first thing that we need to do is we need to return to the Lord. With all of our hearts, we need, to, we need to return to God. It's not, it's not saying that every difficult situation in life is because we've drifted away from God. But actually, sometimes it is. Sometimes, but not always, but sometimes the reason why we're experiencing some challenges and difficulties in our lives, it's because we have drifted away from God. Israel had drifted from God. Pastor Joe, well, how do you know which is which? You know if you've drifted away from God. You you know if you've drifted away from God. If you're not sure, then it's probably not. But if you, you know that you've drifted away from God, because you know what the Bible says, because you know what the Word of God says, because you know what the Bible says we ought to do and what we ought to stay away from, and we've chosen somewhere along the line to treat the Word of the Lord with contempt. Treated as worthless and decided to go our own way. And then we get to a certain place and we, we know, we know we've drifted. It's clearly what happened to the people of Israel. It's as if God has said, you don't want me around? It's no problem. You want to ignore my word, my principles, my ways? No problem, I'll go for a walk. <laughs> the Bible tells the story of Abraham and how God had appeared to him at Bethel. 
It was there that God spoke to him. So he builds an altar to the Lord and he, and he calls on the name of the Lord. He begins to worship the Lord. Beautiful story. And then there was a famine in the land. Then there was a situation. You know, there's always a situation, you know, which is kind of going to test our devotion to God. There's a famine in the land. The Bible says that Abraham went down to Egypt. Notice the terminology. I'm, I don't know, the last few weeks I've been doing some studies and stuff and, um, and uh, um, I'm falling in love with the Word of God again. Can I hear an amen? Some of you are going, well, it's good that you're in love with the Word of God. I mean, you know, you're supposed to represent us around here. Uh, but, you know, there's no accidental words in the Bible. The Bible says he went down to Egypt. And instead of trusting God, instead of crying out to God, instead of relying on God, he's in a difficult situation. There's a famine in the land. He goes down to Egypt. Bethel means the house of God. Egypt is a type of the world. And instead of crying out to God, he takes matters into his own hands. He kind of works it out. What are my options? Oh, there's food in Egypt. Let me go down to Egypt. And in Egypt, it was a disaster. He was afraid that Pharaoh would kill him. Fear starts to creep into his life. He then lies about his wife, Sarah. So now he's, he's, he's giving into fear. He's lying nearly kills Pharaoh, it was a disaster. And I like what the Bible says. The Bible says he left Egypt and he went up to Bethel. Notice the language. He went down to Egypt and then he goes up to Bethel. And when he went back to Bethel, there he built an altar. He repaired the altar he had made at first and there he called on the name of the Lord. Sometimes the reason why we're in a difficult situation is because we've drifted away from, we've gone down to Egypt. And what we need to do in those times is we need to go back up to Bethel. Return to the place where we last felt the presence of God. Maybe there are some of you here today, you're feeling like God is distant. Bible is dry. Prayers feel empty. Maybe you feel like you're in a wilderness. That's you today. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because you've drifted away from God. Maybe, maybe there was a time where you heard the word of the Lord with clarity. Maybe you heard the voice of the Lord with, 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 with clarity. There's the spirit of God, the moving up, but you're not feeling it or hearing it like you were one day. Maybe it's time to go back up to Bethel. Maybe it's time to go back up to Bethel and build an altar. Go back to the place where you last experienced the presence of God. Vincent spoke a few weeks ago and, uh, you know... Uh, uh, he just shared a point towards the end where he talked about, you know, building an altar and remembering. I love that. Just spoke to me so, so much. There are times where we need to build an altar and remember what God has done. Build an altar and remember the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Zechariah says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. God said to Solomon, when I shut the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague pandemic among my people. Here's the word for us as a, as a, as a nation, as a world today, generation that we're living in. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin 
and will heal their land. I love that because it says, if my people. The onus is not on the world to pray. They're not going to pray. They're not going to cry out to God. It's if my people. It's the church. The, res- the onus is on the church of Jesus Christ. So often we complain about the world. Oh, things are bad in the world and things are tough and they're going to get worse. Hello. (laughs) The problem is not that the world is drifting. The problem is the church is drifting. Israel had drifted and there were consequences. And And the word of God said, if my people... Revival begins with the church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't begin in the world. It doesn't begin in parliament. It begins in the church of Jesus Christ. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear from heaven. Maybe there are some of us who need to go into the presence of God and say, hey God, is there something that's not right? Have I, have I moved away from you, Lord? Have I missed the mark somewhere, Lord God? That's what sin is. It's missing the mark because I want your presence more than anything else. If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, he will deliver you from the hand of, of the Never be afraid of God. Never be afraid of God. Never be afraid of the presence of God. That's why I believe, you know, cultivating our relationship with God is one of the most important things that we can do in our lives. It's in the presence of God that that we begin to speak with God and we build our relationship with God. It's the primary purpose of every believer, develop intimacy with God, to know God, not just as some God who's way up there, but to know him and have a relationship with him. Bible says about Moses, he would speak to God as a man speaks to another man, like he was speaking to someone face to face. That's That's the will of God for you and for me. It's the will of God for you and for me. We, we, it's not just, oh, well, they're the pastors, they're the, they're the clergy, he's clergyman. They can hear the voice of the Spirit, but we can't. It's not true at all. God wants to have a relationship with you. And here's the thing. It's in, the, it's in, it's in that place of intimacy with God that, that God begins to do work in our lives. And, you know, if we start drifting, the first place you're going to notice it is in the presence of God. If we start drifting away from God, if we start to, if we start to, you know, go in a different, the first place you're going to feel it is in the presence of God. Been married to Lana for 33 years. Man, I had to pause there for a minute. And, and, you know, we kind of know each other. After a while, you get to kind of know each other. And, you know, if something's not right, you can feel it. You know what I'm saying? can feel it not necessarily it's 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 the tone of voice it's the um we don't ever argue anyway i mean for 33 years we haven't argued for maybe once but 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 when something isn't right you know no words are spoken necessarily and it's amazing <laughs> anyway it's right um <laughs> we've been doing charades over the last few years few weeks <laughs> Learning how to do charades and sign language. We're world champions now. Um, and uh, it's, you, you know something isn't right. Why? Because you've spent a lot of time together. That's true of the presence of God. When you've spent a lot of time with the presence of God, when, when, when something isn't right, you just know in your spirit. You say, God, hey, Lord, is everything okay? And God begins to speak. Because my relationship with God is more important than anything else. If we've drifted away from God, 
Hey, what about drifting right back into the presence of God because he loves you and cares about you? Second thing that we have to do is remove idols. Samuel said, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts and then put away the foreign gods and the Asherahs from among you, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. We want to experience the presence of God, the leading of God, the protection of God. Second thing we need to do is remove some idols. We know that a lot of the religions today have idols, images, little statues. People think if they, if they have this image or this little statue with them, then, then oh, everything's going to be fine. They have their idols in their businesses. Come on, you walk into some place, some restaurants, you'll see this little guru somewhere in a corner, you know, uh, in their house, a candle always lit, put it in their pockets, in their car, on, the, on, on their desk, thinking that the idol protects them in some kind of way. I remember there was a lady, we went to a travel agent, she had a little Buddha on her, on her, uh, on her thing and, you know, and she, oh, when things aren't going well, kind of just rub his stomach a little bit. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Bible is really clear. The second commandment says, have no other gods beside me. It's pretty clear. Fact is, an idol can be more than just a statue. We can also have idols in our hearts. Ezekiel says, son of man, these, these men have set up idols in their hearts. An idol is anything we look to for peace, joy, safety, protection, and guidance. An idol is anything we look to for things that only God can provide. Some people, if, they're, if, they're, uh, if their team loses, bad day, bad mood. Team wins, they're in a good mood. The team has become an idol in some way. People say, if I had more money, then I'd feel secure we don't need more money to feel secure. What we need, who we need is Jesus to feel secure. Paul says to the Philippians, and my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches in glory, Christ Jesus. It's a revelation that Christ is our provider, that he's Jehovah Jireh. That gives us that sense of peace. Money can become an idol. Sport, work, Instagram, business image can all become an idol. Success can become an idol. Relationships can become an idol. One God to be our helper, we need to search our hearts. Lord, is there, is there an idol in my heart? Is there something in my life which is more important than you, Lord God? Third thing they did is they fasted. Not only did they return to the Lord with all their hearts, but they fasted on that day. Never underestimate the power of fasting. Never underestimate the power of fasting and prayer unto God. As we fast, we humble our hearts. It's a declaration that says, I don't know what to do. I'm powerless. I submit to you, O oh God. I turn to you. You're my only hope. Never underestimate the power of fasting. Combined with prayer becomes a dynamo. In fact, I want to encourage you during this week as we lead up to conference, come on, why don't, we, why don't we set aside a day and we just fast unto God and say, God, would you bless us with your spirit? Joel says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. How do we return back to the Lord? One of the ways is through fasting. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, bounding in love. And he relents from calamity. Fourth thing that we need to do is con confess our sins to God. That's what they did. Bible says on that day they fasted and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. See these three battles with the Philistines, two have uh, with two different outcomes. The first two, 4,000 died. Second battle, 30,000 died. 
Then third battle was a success. What changed? One, they returned to the Lord. Secondly, they got rid of their idols. They fasted and then they confessed their sins to God. From the blessing of God, we need to humble our hearts before God. We need to have an attitude that says, Lord, if there's something not right in me, I want to know. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See if there's an offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. It's a beautiful prayer to pray. It's just saying, God, I want to, I want to be right with you. Listen to what Isaiah says. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. It's a powerful scripture. In other words, God is not powerless. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And that's not always the case. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't want people to say, oh, well, maybe I'm going through this trial bit and that's the reason why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing. Not necessarily the case. You'll know if you've drifted away from God. And the greatest thing that we can do is not hide the sin or pretend it's not there or excuse it. The greatest thing that we can do is just confess it before God. The Bible says if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God never looks at our sin and says, whoa, that's a big one. <laughs> Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Never be afraid of God. He loves you. Never be afraid of God. He cares about you. Never be afraid of God. Never, ever be afraid of God. He always responds to a heart that is drawn towards him. Finally, they sought the Lord. The Bible says, And Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord in his, on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him. Never underestimate the power of prayer and intercession. Never underestimate the power of just seeking after God. Never, never underestimate the power of crying out to God. And I love the text because it says, and the Lord answered him. Because the Lord always hears. So often we complicate Christianity. We, we complicate God. We think, oh, I've got to work this out. I've got to do so much. Actually, you don't have to do very much at all. It's really about your heart's response towards God. Is your heart pointed towards God or is your heart pointing away from God? Because all that we need to, we don't, we don't need to be perfect. We don't have it all together. But our heart needs to be pointing towards God. And God always responds to people whose hearts are pointed towards him. Was Israel perfect here? They weren't perfect at all. But their heart had changed. Their heart was pointing in this direction. And now suddenly they've returned back to God. And suddenly their heart is pointing towards God. And that's all God needs from you and me. And we know how the story ends. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, there was a little bit of thunder. And the Philistines got scared. And the Israelites dealt with them. And it was there that Samuel takes a stone. And he names the stone Ebenezer, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. What's interesting in the story is that the word Ebenezer appears only three times in the Bible. If you look at the text, it only appears three times in the Bible. First time, 1 Samuel chapter 4, was the time when 
Israel goes to war with the Philistines, 4,000 die. Second time, 1 Samuel chapter 5. Israel goes against the Philistines, 30,000 die. And then the third time, it's mentioned is in our text. It's where Israel won a great battle. Listen carefully. In the place of your greatest defeat, God wants to give you the greatest victory. In the place of your greatest defeat, God wants to give you your greatest victory. What the enemy has meant for harm, God wants to use for good the saving of many lives. It's in the place of your greatest defeat that God wants to give you the greatest victory. That in the place of despair and heartache, God wants to turn it into a place of worship and praise. In the, in the same place where, where you've experienced defeats in your life, God wants to turn it into a place of worship and a place of praise. Well, Pastor Joe, how's that going to happen? How, how's, how's this place, how's this thing that I've been through, that I'm going through, how's that going to be turned into a, a place of worship? Well, if it's going to happen, we need to do what Israel did. What did they do? They returned back to the Lord. They, 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 they turned and began to face God. It's powerful. Put away some idols. Put, put away things that were, were more important than God. We need to fast. They began to fast and they, oh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to return back to the Lord. And they began to cry out to God. began to seek the face of God. I don't know, but maybe there's some people here this morning, some of us, we need to do business with God. Because if we're honest with ourselves, maybe not as bad as Hophni and Phineas, but maybe we've drifted away from God in some way. Andre Crouch used to sing a song, Take Me Back. Take me back, dear Lord. Take me back to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. I feel that I'm so far from you, Lord. But still I hear you calling me. That's beautiful. God is still calling us. He never stops. Those simple things that I once knew, their memories keep drawing me. I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed. But yet my soul's not satisfied. Renew my faith, restore my joy, and dry my weeping eyes. Take me back, dear Lord. Just take me back. Take me back to the place where I first received you. Take me back, Lord God, to the place where I built an altar and began to cry on the name of the Lord. Take me back to that place, Lord, where I hear you, where I've heard your spirit and your voice so clearly, Lord God. Just take me back, Lord God, to that place. Would you stand with me? Maybe like Abraham. It's time to go back up to Bethel. It's time to go back up to Bethel. Maybe it's time to go back up to the place 
where we last experienced the presence of God. And you know, we all get distracted. We all, you know, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to take our relationship with God for granted. It's so easy to start to look at the Bible as just a boy. It's so easy. It's so easy. It's always hard to do the right thing. It's always easy to do the wrong thing. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Can I hear an amen? It's always easy to put on weight. It's always hard to lose it. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, amen. That was a louder amen, that one. I don't want to drift away from God. I want to be where His presence is. You're going to live your best life in the presence of God. You're going to, you're going to live the life you've always dreamed of having in the presence of God. You, 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 you're, going to, you're going to face situations and, and, and you're going to do well all the time when you're in the presence of God. People are going to say, man, they always do well. Everything they touch turns to gold. And we're going to go, yeah, that's right. Because we've got the presence of God. But I suspect there's some of us, maybe, maybe we've drifted away from God this morning. Yesterday as I was praying, I just felt very strongly. And I'm just going to obey the voice of the Spirit. But there may be some people who say, you know what? And it doesn't have to be anything great, but maybe there's just a sense of, you know what? I kind of feel like I've lost my way. I need, I need, to, I need, to, I need to come back. I need to get back onto the right track. And there may be some of you here today, that's you. And I don't know what it is. I'll let you do business with God. But I want to invite you to just come forward and just, just spend a bit of time in the presence of God. Just say, God, you know what? I want, I want, I want to live my best life that you've created me to have. I want to live the best life you've called me to have. I want, I want, to, I want to be everything you've called me to be. I want to do everything that you've called me. I don't want to be distracted by rubbish and stupidity. I don't want to be, 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 be distracted by the enemy and temptation and craziness. I want to get closer to you. I want to draw nearer to you. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to be everything you've called me to be. Let's sing a, a, a chorus. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to come and just stand and just say, God, and make, make a declaration to God this morning. Just say, God, that's, that's me. This is me. Enough. I'm not going to play games anymore, Lord God. Enough, enough of being on the fringe. Enough of, you know, just, just doing what everybody else is doing. No, it's enough of that. I'm going, to, I'm going to be serious with you, God. I want, to be, I, want, I want to be everything you've called me to be. In the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? We're going to sing this chorus. And if that's you, you come quickly. I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. Praise the name of Jesus. What a wonderful group of people that have responded to the word today. So proud of you. I just pray the Holy Spirit's going to start to do a work in your life. The hardest step is the first step. But it's that first step that gives permission to the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives. It's that first step that says, Holy Spirit, I want you to begin to do a work in me. I want you to begin to form Christ in me. Lord, I'm sick and tired of doing life my way. I'm sick and tired of going down to Egypt. That every time something happens, I'm going down to Egypt. I'm sick and tired of it. Today, I'm making a decision to go up to Bethel. Build an altar. Call on the name of the Lord. I just want to pray for you in the name of Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you and just believe that God is going to do something in your life. That the work that God is going to start is going to bring it to completion in the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, I want you to pray. Put your hands towards this couple others that, that, that should be here. Come on, just lift your hands, begin to worship Jesus. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Father, I just pray for this uh, wonderful group of people that have come forward, heard the voice of the Spirit responding. Those online watching, Father God, that are that were responding today, Father, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit you would reach out and touch them. In the name of Jesus, let your purposes be accomplished. Let your name be glorified. Let your name be exalted, Lord God, in, in through their lives, Lord God. Father, we confess our sins to you, Lord God. Father, we, can, we confess those things in our lives that are not right, Lord God. We just bring them before you, Lord God. We thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. So I just pray for every individual right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. That this is not just going to be another altar call in Jesus' name. That this is not just going to be another, another message that I was moving and move forward. No, this is not just going to be another Sunday. This is going to be a Sunday when something changes. This is going to be a Sunday where something shifts. This is going to be a Sunday where eternal destinies are changed because of what's happened right here this morning. In the name of Jesus, by the grace of God and for the glory of God, we bind every work of the enemy. We bind every destructive thought in the name of Jesus, every destructive emotion, every lie, every scheme of the enemy. We come against it in the name of Jesus. Every temptation, that spirit of Egypt, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I just pray, let there be freedom. In Jesus' name, let the power of God and the spirit of the Lord be released in each life, I pray, Father. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, Lord God. Let there be freedom in the name of Jesus. Let there be freedom in their lives. Let there be freedom in the house of God. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. One more thing we're going to do. Come on, give them a clap. Amen. Go back to your seats. One more thing we're going to do. One more thing we're going to do this morning. We've been walking with the Lord. This morning we're going to get a stone, not a literal stone. We don't want to start naming stones. Come on, church, that's just, that's not good. But we need to put a stake in the ground. We need to mark this moment. Come on, we need to mark this moment in our lives. Get a stone, mark it as a, it's a memorial stone. It's a remembrance stone. And we're going to declare Ebenezer. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. That through the good times, bad times, good decisions, dumb ones, sickness, financial challenges, marriage problems, successes, failures, pandemics, the whole box and dice. Thus far, the Lord has helped us in the name of Jesus. We're going to declare in the spiritual realm, thus far, the Lord has helped us. When the doctor said to me, you're not going to talk for three days, I kind of laughed. Yeah, it's really funny. Talk about it with the family. Oh, that's great for you. Your wife must be really happy. Your kids must be happy. They were rejoicing, mate. Uh, and talked for three days. And day one was fine. Got my little whiteboard talking. You know, it's all great. And I thought, what am I going to do with my time? Might as well listen to sermons. Started listening to sermons. And I heard these preachers preaching. It's wrong. 
powerful. And I, and I said to myself, will I ever preach again? You know, when, you know, so many of us take so many things for granted. You don't know how dear something is to you until you lose it. It's a cliche, but it's true. Lost my voice, couldn't speak. So I wrote a note to Len. I said, will I ever preach again? God is good. Can I hear an amen? Come on, God is good. Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has been my helper. Ebenezer, through the, through the good, the bad, the terrible, through it all. We're in the house of God today, worshipping and glorifying the name of Jesus. This morning we're going to get stone, we're going to, we're going to put it there, and we're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to say, thank you, Lord, for your help. Thank you, Lord, for guiding me. Thank you, Lord, for directing me. Thank you, God, that even when I messed up, you still somehow turned it around. And I'm still in the house of God, worshipping you, Lord God. That time I gave in a temptation and I shouldn't, irrespect, I'm still in the house of God, worshipping and glorifying you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing it together. I want you to sing with everything that you've got. I want you to sing from the bottom of your heart and just let's worship the Lord and thank you for everything that He's done. So, Father, we just thank you. This morning we stop. We stop running. Stop thinking about everything else that we're going to do. We're just going to stop in this moment. Get a stone. Put a stake in the ground. Stop and reflect. Stop and reflect on where we could be. Where, 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 where we could have been if it not for you. Where, 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 where those situations, those circumstances that nearly destroyed us. Where we could be if they had. But you intervened. And because of that, Lord God, we can say this morning with confidence. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has been our helper. Thus far, the Lord has been on our side. Thus far, the Lord has guided us through, even through the most difficult situation. Thus far, the Lord has been with us. And because of that, we praise you. And because of that, we glorify you. And because of that, we worship you. And because of that, we sing praises unto you. We never want to forget the great things that you've done in and through our lives. Be glorified, I pray, this week as we come to conference, Lord God. We just pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit. Father, we pray for Michael that visa is going to be released in the name of Jesus. Just believe for that in Jesus' name. Let your perfect will be done. And we will give you all the glory and praise that is due to your name. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Been an amazing congregation. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name.